There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. I feel like I can rebrand that a little bit, but like the only show that does it, because I think we are the only one. Look at us. At least the only one that's currently doing it. I can believe that. Or maybe ever. Who knows? I looked at iTunes. I think we're original-ish. I believe you. I did not do that research. This week we are continuing our coverage of Buffy Season 8, but like most of the show, we're almost immediately going to go away from Buffy. Yeah, so this one focuses mostly on Faith. The Vampire Slayer. And it's called No Future for You. What a positive title. Faith is generally a positive character, though. That's what I think of. For those of you who don't know, Faith is another Slayer that was called after a replacement Slayer after Buffy died was called. And it's this whole line of people dying and being called and becoming strong women. And now everyone is, so it's fine. Right. But she's been around since season three. Yeah. So Faith and Buffy are by far the oldest Slayers of the bunch. Both with age and experience. Yes. And so... Well, they usually say Slayers usually don't live past 25. They're both... Close to that, at least. Close-ish, yeah. Yeah. And so, Faith was always kind of the dark version of Buffy. Faith was always designed to be the polar opposite of Buffy, more the id to Buffy's superego. Would you call her the superego or the ego? What the hell do I know? I would call her the ego, not the superego. Whatever. You were the one that wanted to use that particular (laughs) metaphor. I tried to go to a place and you tore me down. I didn't tear you down, I just question this is marriage your thought patterns <laughs> and instead they led nowhere so interesting backstory on this one uh joss started this up and is a fan of the writer brian k vaughn who i am also a fairly large fan of fun fact you said brian k vaughn so many times before i saw his name written out i thought that k vaughn was his last name somehow like kevin but fancier Kavon. and so i was so stunned the first time that I was inventorying stuff for your store and saw that it was Brian K. Vaughn that I probably mentioned at the time, but I it just stuck with me to this day. <laughs> anyway. But at the time, Brian K. Vaughn, or Brian Kavon, as you <laughs> apparently know him, was wrapping up a really great run on a new Marvel series, Runaways, the 24 issues, and Joss had just started this up, but they went, hey, we like each other's stuff. Want to trade books for an arc. That's so cute. One of them is good, and one of them is a tough read. This is the good one that this we're going to cover. Let's focus on this one. Thus, we start off with Faith quoting Dr. Seuss. Which is probably about the highest grade level that Faith can read at. Poor Faith. She's very intelligent. She's street smart. You have that look like you're trying to sass me and also bring up New Jersey at the same time. Jersey represent you. And we find out that Faith happened to end up in Cleveland. But Cleveland, as previously mentioned in season three and season seven of Buffy, another Hellmouth exists in Cleveland. But Faith gets a phone call from her... Ex? No, we're just going to call him a lay. No, an... she said most exes are too proud. Oh. A.K.A. they're exes. She's classier than me. Wow. <laughs> she, gets <a> call most... <laughs> she gets a call from Robin Wood, an old lay of hers. Or an X. An X. Also, I would never use that term. An X-lay. No. Also, that just reminds me of 
buffet the vampire lair. <laughs> uh, let's go watch Friends. But Robin calls her up and says, hey, I need you to go check out this nest and enjoy that brief Robin Wood cameo. He's not going to show up for about another two years and then, you know, so far, not after that. And the kind of super depressing part about this, which is very Faith-like. We ended the series with them like, Maybe those two kids will get together and everything will work out and he'll... Super big age difference between those two kids, as you like to call them. Just so we're clear. Sure, one of them's mid-30s. And one of them is early 20s. Could be worse. Could be better. I, you know, say that's an acceptable Tinder range. I don't think that (laughs) Tinder is an acceptable range. You think Tinder is an acceptable range? No, I wouldn't do very well on it. It took me so long to figure out what Tinder was, and then I still didn't understand what the point of it was. I still don't really understand it, so we're just going to move on. Ha! There's a one-word answer. Anyway, Faith got called in because Robin and his gang had gotten a nest of vampires under control, but there were children at the house, and so Faith got sent in. And when I was first reading it, I thought it was because Faith was going to go save the children, but that's a very Buffy thing. I think that she, and I, Faith thought Faith was going to save the children. And I forgot that this was Faith. So Robin sends Faith in to kill four children who had been turned into vampires. And you wonder why it didn't work out between them. Yeah. Faith kills the vampire children. We don't see it. We just... Hear it. Well, we see the onomatopoeia. Or hear it. Fun word to say. I like to say onomatopoeia. Can you spell it? Nope. <laughs> I can barely spell faith. I know. I know. Probably ends with an E in my world. <laughs> uh, just thinking of all those things that I edited. But Faith goes home to wherever she's living and stabs her wall with a wooden stick, something we see that she has done many times in frustration, probably due to all of her child murder. Looks very much like the Sherlock thing, where he shoots the wall. She really does that in the books, too. Yeah, I know. I've read the books, too. Well, let's say Sherlock Holmes, then. Sorry, Sherlock Holmes. I'm just on a first-name basis with him. Are you uh, not? Uh, no. I've read all the books and seen some of the movies slash TV adaptations. Be hard to see all of them. Most adapted character in cinematic history. And Faith goes home to find that... <gasps> Giles is there. And he's wearing a fun sweater. A fun yellow submarine sweater. Why don't you have one like that? But Giles comments that Faith has a surprising selection of teas. She has a lot of chamomile. She says, what, those smelly bags? Use them on the dark circles under my eyes. Yeah, you know what else works? If you put a spoon in the freezer, and then you put it on the bags underneath your eyes, it works. What do you do for crow's feet? Deal with it, I guess. Deal with it. (laughs) I don't have a good answer for that. You do kind of have crow's feet. I never really noticed that. Thanks. You're welcome. It's from all the squinting. From all of the glaring that I do, to be sure. Oh, well. But Giles says that he has a job for Faith and that if she helps him out, he has the resources to get her a passport and to get her clear of all of those pesky murder charges that she's still currently on the run from. Oops. Because, you know, that time she murdered a couple of people. But, you know, she's reformed since then. Now she only kills the vampires. Yeah. Mostly. Mostly. You know what else? Mostly. Dear listeners, I had to watch the movie Aliens this weekend. Do you know and else? do you know what my dear husband has for one impression? The little girl. And it also sounds like his impression for Morgan Freeman. The vampires also mostly come out at night. Mostly. <laughs> Just like the aliens. Oh, what a good movie. 
So anyway, Giles has a mission for Faith. And Faith is like, fine, I will do whatever because I want that whatever. sweet passport. And so she's like, what am I doing? Where am I going? And we cut to a lovely British hunting scene. To London, England. Definitely not in London. England. It's just one city, right? So anyway, we see a lovely English lady, and her name is Lady Genevieve. You know where I want to go with this? Just waiting. There's a kink song, which I'm probably convinced what she's named for. Probably. Ah, forgive me, Genevieve. Like the name Lady Genevieve is used in this one kink song. It's really good, but I'm pretty convinced that's where she, she got this. I like her pony. I'll break out into song more. As we go on. Please don't unsubscribe. We don't have too many other song-related characters, so I'm going to abuse the hell out of this and then probably tone it back. We really don't. But we see Lady Genevieve is riding her pony and she's hunting something for sport. So I assumed it was a fox because I've watched a lot of Downton Abbey. Well, you could say this is a fox if you were terribly sexist. It's a lady. <laughs> it's a lady. <laughs> a slayer lady, to be specific. What a fox. Okay. But Lady Genevieve goes and finds this slayer that she's hunting on her palatial estate. Good use of the word palatial. And after the slayer makes a muddy boot print on the front of her shirt, she... Calls her a filthy little commoner. For lack of a better term, bitch slaps her and in the process breaks her neck. Yeah, it's not great. We can also call this a pimp slap. She straight pimp slaps her. I've never heard that expression before. It's fine. Okay. Jersey represent. Oh, gosh. So, uh, she calls this a most impressive blooding, actually by her fun little manservant, whose name is... Roden. Roden. R-O-D-E-N. I feel like <laughs> there must be a better way of pronouncing that, but... Nope, we're going to say, we're going to go all American, get real guttural in there, like Roden. What was that? Roden. Uh-huh. And call him her Irish handler. Has two flying gargoyles, and he has a book that has a familiar sign on it that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Twilight symbol. I, have we, I don't remember if we said it was Twilight or not in the last one. Look, it's the symbol of Twilight. Spoiler. Spoiler. Or not. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. We cut back to Cleveland, and Giles is trying to train Faith, and Faith's like, look, I've literally done everything. Well, by training, he's trying to teach her... Manners. So Giles is trying to teach Faith how to be a fancy British lady because Faith is going to infiltrate a fancy costume party no. in order to assassinate... Lady Genevieve. Okay, so Giles, who is a British character, says, I'm going to help you fit into high society in time for you to attend the fancy dress party that Lady Genevieve is throwing for her 19th birthday. I read this and assumed, because he was a British character, that he meant fancy dress in the British sense, which means a costume party. So I was looking forward to seeing costumes in all of these people. And I was looking forward to see what they would all look like. So I keep reading along. You get like, real uppity good. about this point. Like, this is like, you're like, I don't know if I can like this story because they screwed up fancy dress party. It really bothered me. Because he's supposed to be British. So get fancy dress right. Because, spoiler alert, it's not a fancy dress costume party. It's just fancy. Different. So we cut back over to Scotland where we see a shirtless sander training with a heavy bag. Looks good. Lost about 15 pounds. Yeah. Comic book art. And he's like... Talking to a punching bag, he's trying to work himself up, and Buffy makes fun of him, shockingly. And Xander gets himself dressed, which this is a, a weird little Easter egg that doesn't quite work. So Xander gets dressed and throws on a Sunnydale swim team shirt. I'm like, oh my god, that's so funny, from that one episode when Xander was on the swim team. 
Except, didn't Sunnydale explode and all their worldly possessions explode with it? So did Xander, like, go on eBay and try and find a Sunnydale swim team shirt after the fact to have nostalgia? Maybe he packed a bag and sent it ahead. They didn't know the town was going to blow up. They knew that something bad was happening. Also, whatever happened to Xander's parents? Maybe his parents left Sunnydale when everything started to fall apart and took a bunch of his stuff with him. Doesn't seem likely they're a bunch of drunken assholes. Maybe they inadvertently packed some of his clothes purely on accident. Maybe. Or maybe they went on eBay. Buffy is talking to Xander about the Twilight symbol and said that she's been having dreams. Dreams of a lion whose mane is green fire and he has wings coming out of his back and a serpent's tongue saying the queen is dead long live the queen this might be important for later this season but not later this episode so we're gonna keep going on we're planting the seeds the seeds of fire lions okay and we go over to england to find that faith is dressed in a fancy dress you shuddered a little that you're like the wrong kind of fancy dress it just is but anyway yeah like she asked giles how we're doing and he just looks at her goes five by five faith sold catchphrase what i really like about these comics at least or i think they kind of lose it later on but they always have a panel where they cut to black kind of like it's a tv episode fading out that was a fun fact and we continue on where faith is having a flashback of the end of season three where her and Buffy's relationship kind of took a downward turn when Buffy stabbed Faith in the stomach after Faith poisoned Angel. It could only be healed with the blood of a slayer. You know. Details, details. I really like the art here. Uh, the art continues to be done by George's Genty. We talked about him in the last episode. He, he looks conti- great, by the way. Yeah, he continues here, and he really... Glad he has this job. Nice job. He's very good at it. it re- I mean, especially, like, the stuff moving forward, he really captures the way the actors would look the characters would move but it's also fun seeing some of these recreation scenes as well of things that have come in the past and it's also interesting to see this fight from faith's perspective unlike the last time that we saw it when it was all from buffy's perspective and faith's inner monologue about how you know the people that you love you hurt them they hurt you and then everything falls apart Mm -hmm. it's very sad so we cut to this very formal party is it a fancy dress party well i don't know the footmen are rather colonial in their dress but i think it's just their livery and so giles has an earpiece in faith's ear and faith chucks out the giles earpiece because she's like i can't deal with you being in my head and she forges ahead to go kill lady genevieve all by herself uh-huh give me genevieve with some knives that she had stuck into her hair was she doing it once under a starlit sky i don't know is she gonna tell her never-ending lies actually yes did she drink too much whiskey on that hot summer night? I doubt it. Probably should have. Seems like more of a fun time. But Faith is wearing knives in her hair and is prepared to kill Lady Genevieve. Mm-hmm. Eventually I'll run out of lyrics. And we cut back to Giant Dawn in Scotland. And she's talking to Willow. Willow is trying to figure out from Dawn. Why she's a giant? Yeah. What she did to cause this. Was it the sex? With Kenny. Well, that's what's insinuated here. It is insinuated here. And she starts crying, and then Willow gets called away to go perform some magic. By Renee, the slayer that Xander has been working out to impress. Yes. And poor Dawn is left alone, giant again. But she has an apple tree. I guess, yeah. Is that really a comfort when you're a giant? 
be like, well, at least I have this tree with apples. It's Look, my favorite. Don didn't have a lot of friends growing up, so yeah, probably. Poor Don. I don't even like her. <laughs> Leave her with her tree. Faith goes outside, and Lady Genevieve bums a cigarette off of her, which is always a good start. To because, hey, we're not on TV anymore, so the characters that used to smoke can actually smoke again. But they're both smoking with gloves on, which seems like a terrible idea on a lot of levels. Like, how are you going to clean those gloves from the smoke smell? And also, won't they burn? The character of Faith never had to run into that, but smoking on TV was getting stricter right around the time Buffy was ending. So Faith was able to end as a smoker, but then you have a character like Spike who just suddenly stopped out of nowhere. Never addressed, just did. See, and that's one of the things that bothers you more than the, like, the fancy dress thing. So Genevieve and Faith become fast friends, as one does. And Faith is picked up by a couple of flying gargoyles. Yep, just as she's about to take out one of her hair knives. And instead, she uses the hair knives to attack the flying gargoyles and kills them. Good for her. <laughs> Good times are had by all. And little Irish dude is like, what is happening? Rodan had sicked the gargoyles on Faith to kill her. Because he didn't like the vibe he was getting off of her. But Genevieve saves Faith, sticks her in a bed with a poo bear. Oh, it's very sweet. Winnie the poo bear. That bed looks super comfortable. And Lady Genevieve kind of explains her semi-evil plan to Faith. Although, to Lady Genevieve, it's not an evil plan at all. Makes sense. And so she's saying that Rodin has told her that Lady Genevieve is going to lead the rest of the Slayers to their rightful place at the head of this wretched society, and that first she needs to kill the woman who's in charge of everything. And Faith goes, you want to kill Elizabeth? Which would be devastating. But Lady Genevieve is not planning on killing Elizabeth, obviously. Instead, she's going to kill Buffy, and she's drawn the twilight symbol over Buffy's face in red. Seems rather ominous. And once again, I would like to reiterate that the idea of twilight in this book was done right before some young adult novels uh, were picking up steam. You know. Made it really awkward at the time of publication, but it was too late to change then. Lady Genevieve has a belly button piercing. I never noticed that. Yes, she does. Okay, moving on. And Faith is a little peeved. Not at the idea that they're going to kill Buffy. I mean, Faith has tried to do that. Many a time. Yeah, more than once. At least a baker's dozen. But Faith is more annoyed that it always comes back to Buffy and that Giles didn't really send her in to prevent any great apocalypse, but really just to save his golden girl. Yeah, so... Faith is like, you know what? I don't care what happens to Buffy. I'm glad that I threw Giles out of my head, and I am going to live in the lap of luxury right now. And then something else that annoyed you. So then we cut away to Faith living in the lap of luxury, and it turns out that she's taking a giant bubble bath. That's fine. Except she and Lady Genevieve are taking a giant bubble bath together. You're really offended. You're like, girls don't do this. No one does that. Why would they do that? And I have a solid answer for you. Boobs. It just... No one does that. Like, this is not... Boobs? Boobs. Moving on. But we see the two of them are connecting. Ridiculous. And Faith is trying to give Genevieve a word of warning about older men trying to manipulate that she's been in that place before. Yeah. And she's like, Rodin's not in control and not neither any of these other men who think they are were really ruling them. Also, Faith calls her Gigi now, which was a movie that I found charming. And so we cut back to our lovely friends in Scotland. They're showing off their general defenses. 
Willow has been helping with both the technical side and the magical side of things. So they're trying to figure it all out. She's really very handy. She's very handy. And all of a sudden, Buffy disappears. She gets pulled away. And she reappears right in front of Rodan. But Genevieve approaches Buffy and, you know, as they do, they get into a, a bit of a scuffle. Yep. A nice fist fight, but also with a sword. And Buffy shows how generally superior she is to Genevieve's fighting style. Genevieve mentions that Buffy is better than that last girl she killed, which doesn't sit quite right with Buffy. Right. And she's using her power to take down other slayers. Buffy at this point has gotten the sword from Genevieve and is about to chop off her head. And Faith jumps in and breaks the whole thing up. Literally breaks a window, jumping out it with Buffy. And they land in the pool. Landing in the shallow end. Of course. I'm always a big fan of Buffy and Faith's relationship. Like, they're clearly two people who trusted each other, but both feel betrayed by the other one equally. And Buffy just continues her trend of things and gets into a fight with Faith. And it is brutal. I think it's fair to say that that's also Faith's modus operandi. Well, Buffy was already fighting. Yeah, that's true. She has kept that trainer rolling. Yes, she did. Faith gets the upper hand, one of the few times she ever does, and starts to drown Buffy. But she can't actually go through with it, pulls her out of the water, and they're just starting to kind of talk about what's happening, why are they both there, and Willow manages to pull Buffy back to Scotland. But Faith was able to give the information that she was there on Giles' mission just before Buffy was transported. Mm -hmm. And so Genevieve shows up holding a giant axe over Faith's head and says, I thought you were my friend. Poor Faith has terrible luck in Friends. I mean, Angel worked out, kind of. I guess. But part four opens with one of your favorite characters. The mayor. The mayor. And I enjoyed him, too. (laughs) Narratively, probably not necessary, but anytime you can stick the mayor into anything, I'll take it. He's always just so pleasant. I thought it worked out well. And so we have a a flashback to when Faith and the mayor... To graduation day. ...were working together. Yeah, to graduation day. Faith's wearing her graduation dress. I love the art here. She looks younger and it still looks like it's her. Yeah. And how no matter all of the terrible things that she did on his behalf, that she still felt loved. And that was the overwhelming feeling that she got from being with the mayor. That it wasn't anything weird. It yeah, was just... there was nothing pervy about it. That he was just someone who was looking out for her best interest. Yeah, it was very much a father figure. It was it, it was her... her version of Giles in a way. Took her under his wing, or later on, his scaly, scaly hide when he turned into a giant demon snake. Yeah. Sometimes that happens to everybody. You never know. But cutting back to the present, Genevieve is about to decapitate Faith and changes her mind and instead hits her with the butt of the axe, and the fight is on. Mm-hmm. Faith is a Boston girl, and Genevieve insults her by saying that she's from New York. Faith this whole time has been apparently trying to do an English accent, which Giles said was passable. But it's really hard for me to imagine in my head what Faith would sound like trying to be British. I know. She has such a distinctive voice that part of me wants that to be a reality. I just want a little clip of it. Like an audiobook. But while Faith and Genevieve are fighting, Buffy calls Giles to demand to know what's happening. And, and this is kind of, this is the saddest part of this whole thing for me. Yeah, because... Giles has really been working this whole time on Buffy's behalf without calling her into it because Buffy honestly has enough other things going on that this is just not that big of a deal. Poor Giles is in the woods right now 
with some creature. Some kind of forest gnome with a, like the hammer of Hamner, trying to break down a dimensional barrier to get Giles inside. Right, because he knows where Faith is, but he can't get to her and he can't get in contact with her. And so one of his slayers is inside. And he has a lovely potty mouth, this little troll guy. He says arsefire. Sounds like something you would say. I don't say arse. Why not? I'm not fancy. That's fancy? Arse. That's your level of fancy? (laughs) If I was going to a fancy dress party, I'd say arse. I know you would. So one of his slayers is in this protected area, and the other one he thinks is in Scotland. And so Buffy calls him to be like, what is happening? Because Faith just said that she was working with you. And basically she and Giles break up. Buffy demands that Giles tells her what's going on. He just says, no, I don't want you to be any part of this. Yeah. It asks for Willow. Which, you know, is probably a good call from Giles that Buffy probably shouldn't be a part of this. She'd get super involved in it. And it's not really her fight. It's always sad when Buffy and Giles are on the outs with each other. This is not the first time it happens. Yeah. But whenever, I don't know, they always feel like they should be the two characters that kind of implicitly have each other's backs. And sometimes... It falls apart. Methodology does not line up with one another. Yeah. Sometimes Giles wants to be real murdery, and Buffy's like, we probably shouldn't. It's a weird role reversal. That's usually what makes them break up. Yeah, I know. So we cut back, actually, to Giles' murder plot. And Faith and Lady Genevieve are still fighting. And they are throwing garden implements at each other, and it's a hot mess. Lady Genevieve, earlier in the fight, had swung the axe at Faith and embedded it in the trunk of a tree. And so that's just kind of sitting there this whole time, and Faith kicks Lady Genevieve and ends up kicking her accidentally onto the axe blade, inadvertently killing her. Rodan approaches Faith in the greenhouse where they were fighting, saying that he had been backing the wrong filly, and that he has been working for Twilight all along, and that he can bring Faith up to a whole new power level, and together they can overthrow him and, you know, rule the galaxy as father and son. Wrong thing, but, you know, same idea. And so... Rodan shows her his magic book, and he says, The guidebook will show us how. This is something that bothered you. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of Twilight books kicking about. We'll find out later, Twilight isn't that old of a concept. Right, but yet somehow... He's amassed an entire army and a bunch of literature. Yeah, some nicely bound books. He's a nice hardcover rolling about. Yeah. And Faith is like... I'll never join you. I'll stop doing Star Wars dialogue, too. (laughs) But it's basically the same scene, except she doesn't lose a hand, and he's not her father. Okay, so some some key key points are missing, but it's a similar fight. They fight. But Rodan summons some magical voodoo, and he's about to kill Faith when all of a sudden he's stabbed with a garden utensil by Giles. Yeah, they're like pruning shears. From behind. Yeah, in the back. Faith throws the Twilight book at Giles. Boy, that's a weird sentence. It's not that Twilight book. Although it would be so much funnier if it were. If there was just like... If it it were actually just the Twilight books with a different cover on it. (laughs) It's like those adult books for adults who are ashamed to be reading these things. so They have different dust covers. Is that real? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. You learn something new every day. And Giles cast a spell... A barrier because Rodin was responsible for the mystical barrier surrounding this estate. And he's like, ha ha ha, you think you could cast one of my 
own containment spells against me. He's going to call it a bubble spell. Containment sounds better. And he says, I can break out of any mystic field ever enchanted. And Giles, being the insanely metal, middle-aged man that he is, put the containment field inside of Rodin's head. And his head explodes. All over and Giles. And it is so metal. And thus, they go home to Cleveland. Giles is true to his word. He gives Faith a passport and a new name. And, and she's A one-way ticket, and she's good to go. But instead, the two of them decide to team up, that maybe there are other slayers out there that are lost, and Faith knows a little bit about that, and maybe she can help. And Giles is on the out with Buffy, and he really has nothing better to do with his life. It's a very charming... Got real crappy about Giles there. Poor Giles. It's very charming to me that Faith and Giles are both sad and abandoned by Buffy, and so they band together to go help other people. Way to use your pain for good. I love the two of them together. I wish we got more of it in the season. We're not going to see a ton of like the adventures of Giles and Faith. I wish we got to see more of it. Also, that'd be a great book, The Adventures of Giles and Faith. But we end the arc with some kind of military lady. Her name is Lieutenant Moulter. Well, you did more research than I did. We end with Lieutenant Moulter. She's going to be a well-established character with many flaws and facets. Or we never see her again. And she's giving information to somebody who's flying. And she's saying that... She's real sassy about it. That Buffy's still alive, but that Genevieve and Rodin are dead. And the flying man goes, Rodin and Genevieve were not my minions. They were my targets. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, that's what he says. Yeah. And we get our first reveal of this season's big bad Twilight. He looks like knockoff Iron Man. Sorry. Except in no way. He's flying and he has a mask over his face and it has a vertical color blocking to it. So we know that it's a guy who can fly. He wears a big black trench coat, has some light body armor on, three belts for some reason. Because, you know, when one's not enough, get two more. And kind of a luchador mask. Yeah. Flash. It actually looks kind of like Iron Man's mask, just different colors. But Twilight says to her, it was about manipulating our enemies into waging this ugly war for us. A tactic crucial for bringing the Age of Magic to a close. By pitting Watcher against Warlock and Slayer against Slayer, we have pushed even the victors to remove themselves from the chessboard. How utterly diabolical. Well, he's an evil dude. Yeah. I wonder who he is. And much like our last graphic novel, this ends our arc and we finish with a one-shot. And this one-shot is called Anywhere But Here. And we see Buffy lying on a beach, which looks pretty awesome. Good for Buffy. And we get Brian K. Vaughn is done and Joss Whedon is back writing with pencils by Cliff Richards, who we'll see later on, but this is his first time in the series. Cool. So Buffy lying on the beach is approached by... Daniel Craig in his Casino Royale... Short bathing shorts. costume. I liked bathing costume better. Who wears short shorts? Daniel Craig. He wears short shorts. <laughs> so part of this, and we're never going to get a solid answer, is where does this exactly fall in the timeline? So, ultimately, does it really matter? But let's break it down a little bit. Angel After the Fall happens essentially in May of 2004. The timeline gets reset, so it doesn't really matter. It starts and ends in May of 2004. After that, we get at least one entire movie greenlit, produced, released, and then released on Blu-ray. 
So we're talking at least a two and a half period of time there. So at least mid-2006. And then for reasons I can't really say at this point, I think more time would have had to have passed for things in Season 8 to happen. So this is probably taking place at least 2008, maybe 2009. So Casino Royale would definitely be out at this point, coming out in 2007. Perfect. Good job, continuity, Dark Horse. No, good job, me. Good job, you, Zach, for making up continuity. That's why I'm here. Half the point of this show. That is why you're here. Oh, so why is Buffy with Daniel Craig? Oh, that's right. And also, he's putting sunblock on her. How lovely. She's just going to rub it gently on the shoulders. And instead, we see Buffy holding onto Willow's shoulders, and they're flying. Because Willow can fly now. It's a skill. I really wish that I had a friend who could fly. And they're playing the game anywhere but here. They did this back in season one, where they were talking about like their celebrity fantasy romance and where it would take place and what would happen. And they're playing this game to distract Buffy from Willow flying because Buffy is terrified of this prospect. Mm -hmm. So we see that Dawn is talking to... We cut back to Scotland. Dawn is talking to Xander. Xander has convinced Willow to make a bunch of Dawn's clothes also big. And they continue to talk about Dawn's giant problem. Yes. And that... Don slept with Kenny, who is definitely a thrice wise, and we don't know what that is yet for those keeping track. And Don admits that <gasps> she didn't actually sleep with Kenny. She slept with Kenny's roommate. Oh no. So Don describes Kenny's roommate, Nick, to Xander. And Xander's like, let me guess, bad boy, must hair, like to smoke, maybe a leather jacket. And the short answer is yes. Then the big money. Did in any way play in a band? <laughs> oh, poor Don. Don goes, bass, vocals. I'm a Satan. Donnie, stop. You are hereby found guilty of being a cliche, and that's it. You ever see the first guy Buffy slept with in college? Riley? Oh, how she wishes. I actually totally forgot about that until I read this part again, and I, I was know. like, it wasn't Riley, that's right. Parker never comes up, and he sucked. Yes. Which is why he never comes up. But I like it when he can be used in kind of a crappy way. Yeah. It's kind of so, funny. Do you remember that thing you did? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Like, everyone has that thing. It's like, all the, the friend group knows about it, and it's just like, hey, we forgive. We don't forget. <laughs> We're going to use this when your head gets a little too big. Okay, great. So the Don mystery will continue to unfold later on. But Willow... Is having her version of Anywhere But Here, and she's with one of your favorites. She's with Tina Fey. How charming is that? No, she's not just with Tina Fey. She's with television's Tina Fey. Well, yes, of course. It's very charming. And suddenly, Willow and Buffy make it to their destination. Where they meet a woman named Robin. Yes. So, interesting side note for this story. Dark Horse, before this came out, had a write-in competition of, you know, get yourself a cameo in a Buffy comic. And this woman, Robin, her husband wrote in and kind of explained their situation, saying that she was having the early onset signs of schizophrenia and something that they were doing together to create a sense of normalcy was watching Buffy together. And that was kind of a tradition that helped kind of was this important glue in their marriage. So Joss read this letter and said, screw it, we're upping this from a cameo, which is really sweet. It is really sweet. And so Robin has actually quite a large role in this particular one-shot, but this is the first place that we meet her. 
And we find out that she is watching over this little cabin. She perceives time differently than in a linear fashion. Right. Which she, confuses the hell out of Buffy. She's like, ah. She can kind of see all time. And she doesn't necessarily know what has already happened yet, but she makes mention of many things. And Buffy and Willow are at this cabin to get information. And Robin warns that they might not want to get what they're seeking. Yeah. Willow mentions that this isn't a gig that Robin signed up for. That she's a minder and minders are chosen. Just like a slayer. And that she's minding an unstable reality. So she's constantly containing it. And she's just trying to contain all of the weirdness of time and logic that's happening in this cabin behind her. But she has a nice dress. She does. Um, And that she doesn't get a break. There's no turning it off. And she's just chosen to be a minder. So they enter this cabin, which has an endless staircase. And the two of them are kind of awkwardly talking about things like, so that thing with Giles, that's cool, right? That faith thing. And Buffy just kind of out of nowhere goes, I like Kennedy, you know? Kennedy being, so far in this season, Willow's unseen girlfriend, who was in season seven and is no one's favorite. And Kennedy, by the way, is another slayer. But no one likes Kennedy, except for Willow and evidently Buffy. I feel the need to tangent. It'll mm-hmm. be a quick tangent, I promise. Before Kennedy was brought in, I guess the original plan, after Willow's girlfriend Tara was killed, the idea was that she was going to come back. She was going to come back in the third to last episode of Buffy. If memory serves, it was a scheduling conflict, and it just, it couldn't happen. But the idea was that Buffy was going to do a thing, and that she was going to get one wish. One wish, like, no strings attached, it will just work out fine. And the entire episode was spent with Buffy going back and forth on what should I use this one perfect wish on. And the episode is coming to a close and Willow goes to Buffy and she's like, oh, so what'd you use your wish on? Buffy's like, oh, those shoes in the mall that I've been noticing, like I finally got them for myself. And she's like, you spent your wish on shoes? And then Tara was supposed to come around the corner and they were going to reunite. And that was the original plan. But if you've seen the show, you know that's not quite how it happened. Which maybe I shouldn't have led into this scene because I'm about to say, like, I like Kennedy. Because I really like that Tara thing much better. Mm, me too. But, oh well. <laughs> it's not what happened. And instead we got Kennedy, a rich, bratty, pushy girl who is in a relationship with Willow. But while this awkward conversation is going on, a demon attacks! As a demon should. And he accuses them, you reek of lies! Pretty much. He's... Just basically a giant worm with some arms. And four TV screens on the top of his worminess. Yeah, it's a weird moment. Says he knows why they're there and that Buffy's life goal will be achieved. The death of magic. And showing things in a nonlinear fashion. He shows some of the lies that they've already told one another. Including their funding. Right. So earlier in this, we talked about how they had all of the funding that they needed. Buffy kind of dismissed it when it was brought up. She did, and we find out here that what Buffy's been doing is she and her Slayer friends have been breaking into Swiss vaults owned by former Nazis and that they have been stealing their treasures to use for Buffy's funding. And Willow's like, hey. That's not great. The government, like the government's saying that you think you're above the law. This is you thinking you're above the law. You're actually in the wrong here. And I agree with Willow. 
Yeah. Willow's definitely in the right. This is not, it's just not the way to do it. But luckily for Buffy, this demon then shows Willow doing something that she's lied about. And we see naked Willow being wrapped up by a naked sexy snake lady. Yeah, who's definitely some sort of a demon. Obviously, she's a snake lady. Guess I didn't really see that. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, She's a demon. And Buffy's like, when did that happen? And we'll find out more about her. And Willow's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. And then Robin appears, and we find ourselves in some kind of stone room with a pedestal in the middle with some kind of broken... Looks like a red egg that has been shattered. It does. And Robin just says, oh, I didn't think he'd show you this. And what's supposed to happen there is betrayal. The closest and most unexpected. And we see Buffy writhing in pain, covered in cuts and bruises. And and... she has just tears streaming down her face. And we're not sure what's happened, or what will happen, rather. It's the finale. But we don't know what this betrayal is. We don't know why Buffy's crying, what this broken red egg is. But all of these questions will be answered. Not in this episode. (laughs) Or in the next. Or the next. Not for quite some time. Yeah, we still got a few. Being the closest betrayal, Buffy immediately asks Willow, is it you? And Willow says, no, I won't betray you. Any more than I have. And we cut to a scene of Kennedy for the first time this whole season. And going through all of Kennedy's live-action appearances, I didn't really care for the character. Me neither. in the course of two pages, I now like her. I'm still kind of lukewarm on Kennedy. But Kennedy accuses Willow of being ashamed of their relationship and of her, and that's why she doesn't let her around Buffy all that often. And Willow instead breaks down and says, no, I, I lost Tara because she was around Buffy. That Warren came back and he shot at us and he ended up killing Tara. And I can't let that happen to another person that I love. Buffy was happy. Buffy was in heaven. And that Willow brought her back. And yeah. that in Willow's eyes, she chose Buffy over Tara. And she can't let that happen a second time. Yeah. It is very touching. It's not that Kennedy improves as a character here. It's that I think this is the first time I really understand their relationship through Willow's eyes, and that's what makes me like her. If I can understand a character through someone else's perspective, I can get there. Kennedy by herself still sucks. Kennedy through Willow's eyes, on the other hand, is a different matter. Yeah. Yeah. So we find out, in short, why Kennedy has been kept away from everyone. They also mentioned that thing where she was dead for a month, but we don't ever find out what's up with that. So... Super annoying. Sorry, Kennedy, that you were dead. We're glad you're back. Kind of. Mostly. And then Buffy and Willow are facing apart from each other, both sad that all of these truths have come out. So Buffy kills this demon, which, why? You went there for information. He gave it to you in your responses to murder him, just because you didn't like what he had to say. So pretty much, yeah. Bad on you. Yeah, there's not a lot of reason to kill this demon. He's not really trying to hurt them at all. I guess emotionally. Well, he's like, I welcome this war. It's like, okay, we fundamentally disagree with each other. Murder time. Yeah. Although that is kind of Buffy's general reaction when it comes to demons. By murdering the demon, they end up kind of blowing up the the time warp field that he's living in. And Willow and Buffy Let's get thrown out. The time warp again. Sorry, I got to do this a new is song. a singing episode for you. Stop reminding me of songs. I'm sorry. 
And Robin gets to have a little vacation for a couple days before she gets reassigned. So good for Robin. She gets a break. And Buffy and Willow walk away in opposite directions. And what a somber ending to this graphic novel. Except... There's this weird webcomic that shows up here at the very end. Yeah. For a while, Dark Horse was... This came out in Dark Horse Presents. They were doing stuff online for a while, experimenting with different things. For a little while, they were putting stuff out on MySpace. Old school. Wow. Yes. I never had a MySpace. So we see a very brief webcomic that is written by Joss Whedon, but the art is by Joe Chen, who we don't really get to see do a lot of interior stuff. She's the artist who does all of the beautiful covers for this series. Yeah, just so we're clear, this webcomic is gorgeous. Like, the artwork for it is great. We open with Buffy falling down on the stone. And who's standing above her? Caleb. I like to think it was Mal. It's not Mal. Well, it is Mal. It's Nathan Fillion. It's Caleb. Slash Mal. Slash Nathan. Slash... Captain Hammer, slash monstrous inmate from Guardians of the Galaxy, slash Wonder Man from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, if that's still a thing that's happening. The movie's not out yet at the time of recording. Slash Castle. Slash the main character from the short-lived TV show Drive. I didn't even know that was a TV show. I didn't even know anything about that. It literally lasted two weeks. It was received so poorly they just dumped like two episodes a night on and then did like the last two online. Poor Tim Minear. That's so sad. That makes me sad. Maybe it's on CW Seed now. (laughs) No, no one remembers Drive. But that was the show that made me go, oh, I like that Emma Stone. I bet she's going to be big someday. (laughs) Well, you were right. Good for you. Do you know her real name is Emily? No. Yeah. Learned a thing. Yeah. God, we're two panels into this. So far, this is a three-page story. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take us longer than it took us the rest to to do anything else. So Caleb goes up toward the... Nathan Fillion that Buffy killed in the end of season seven. It's the one lesson you always forget, girl. You can't kill what's inside you. And Buffy is very confused because she definitely killed him. Says as much. Yeah. I left you smoking in a crater. Literally. He wasn't the only one, pet. You got a nasty habit of leaving lads in the lurch. And we see that Spike and Angel are there. And Buffy's reaction is this noise. It's like, what? (laughs) I love her dialogue. Oh, God, you're here. I missed you so much. And Spike and Angel are just like, which one? She can't even tell us apart. And they're like, eh, because we both wear long black coats. And Buffy just goes, guys, I'm standing right here, feeling needy. And then it gets super weird. Yeah. Like, we get into, I don't know, I feel like Joss's bedroom talk. Because <laughs> Caleb just goes, why would they bother with you? You're just a dirty girl. And Spike goes to Angel as they lean in for a kiss. But I'm a very clean boy. And Angel says to him, maybe you need to be cleaner. And they start making out. And it's really weird. And it's especially weird because Buffy's face is the face that probably you're all making right now. <laughs> yeah. Was, Let's hope. That was a ter- what a weird note to end the show on. Yeah. So as we see the onomatopoeia of them doing their thing, we see smooch, smooch, sproing, rubber, rubber. Pant smooch. Sproing. Sproing. But Caleb asks if we can continue, and we see that Buffy's getting married. And who's she getting married to? Skinless Warren. <laughs> and Tara's part of her bridal party, and she's I still blame you for my death. Yeah, it's an odd moment. 
I really like the audience that we see. In the back, we see there's Lurch from the Adams family. A couple of guys boxing. Don't know who they are. We see the gentleman. We see some evil stuffed animals that will come back later in this season. Willow is sitting with her dark counterpart. Didn't he eat kittens? Yeah, Clem is there. Yeah. The singing demon from the musical episode is there. A random mummy. The judge is there. Elvis. Yeah. All kinds of people are there. And what the priest says is, Do you, Buffy, take skinless Warren to be your lawfully wedded husband to honor and obey him and let him... Nope, that's fine. You can under there. <laughs> and then we see two coats being flung aside as Spike and Angel continue to go at it with slurp, glide, <laughs> pant, and tickle. I'm all done with this. <laughs> all done with this. And then we cut to the next morning where Xander pops in, smiling at them, going, Hey, Buff, sleeping any better? And Buffy goes, Everybody die always. So apparently this was just a weird, weird dream. I don't like it. <laughs> but you like the art. The art looks great. <laughs> so. It is really weird. It comes out of nowhere. It's this weird little... I don't like it. They're like, well, it happened. I guess we have to stick it someplace. Here it is. Yeah. Weird note to end on. And thus, where can we find us? Well, next week is going to be a little bit different, as long as release schedules stick to what they're supposed to be. Do tell. For our Patreon subscribers, and if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, $1 a month will get you this show a week early every single week. We'd really appreciate it. God, that sounded desperate, but yeah, please. But we'd really appreciate it. <laughs> but next week, that'll probably be a couple of days late because we're going to be dealing with a new release. It's, God, I hope this is still accurate. As of right now, I checked the release date today and all the timing. It should be right. But next week, we're going to be going back to Buffy Season 1 because another one of the high school year's books is coming out. So we'll be covering that along with the free comic book day special that came out. But with the new material and trying to move forward chronologically, we're going to have to take a quick sidestep to go back to Season 1. So if you subscribe to Patreon, that'll be a day or two late. But beyond that, you can find us over on editorsnotecomics.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And of course, on iTunes. Thanks to all the new subscribers we have. The show is actually doing wellish. Yeah, I hope you like us. If you like us, give us some positive affirmation with a, a re- rating and a review. And a subscription. Preferably. Does that sound desperate? <laughs> and all those things can be found over on editorsnotecomics.com. But we'll be back next week to jump back in time to 1997. Woohoo! As I a- was eight years old. As long as all of this goes on the release schedule it's supposed to, and if not, I'm not going to go back and edit it, because I'll forget. (laughs) Oh, well. Uh, See you next week. Bye.